Did you just say that? No, I, I just heard that, yes. Yeah, okay, we'll leave that in. That can be our intro. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of the Bench Units podcast coming at you on a Sunday evening because our time management is questionable and we have exactly 50 minutes left of content to burn before our cycle refreshes. So here we are. We're going to rattle through some NBA stuff in 50 minutes exactly or less if we're scamming you guys out of the money that you don't pay. I am joined, as always, by James, who gave me a weird how are you introduction, which I now feel compelled to kind of offer back. So, James, welcome to the show. And how are you? Thanks. I I, I live here. I'm always part of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, not bad. I have a bit of a cold. So if I sneeze down the microphone, I apologize. I'm sorry, but not sorry enough to go back and edit my sneezes out. So if you hate it. You're going to have to deal with it, and you're more than 30 seconds in, so there's already kinds of a listen. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, just back from playing Burgos last last game of the season, and we've ended up third, I believe, officially. So that's hey, fun. Decent going, um, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And I have, to this date, still kept up and watched every minute of NBA playoff basketball so far. Hey, that's good going. I didn't watch the um, didn't watch the Celtics and Nets game whatsoever because I I'm just going to pretend the Nets don't exist until somebody looks like they can beat them. At which point I'll be fully up for that. Cool. Um, so anyway, our idea for this episode is um, the playoffs started last night, so we've already had half the game ones of the first round. The other half being tonight with the Philly and Washington game going on as we speak. Yes, if you're listening to this in the future, it is 1-0 to Philly. Or if you're listening to this a week in the future, it's 4-0 to Philly and the Wizards (laughs) are at home. Russell Westbrook, if you're listening to this in a week and a half, have a nice time on holiday or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're going to go through these series one by one. Uh, We've kind of drilled each series down to one question that we think is at the crux of what will determine the outcome. So we're going to chat through those and then give our predictions. I think James's predictions have already been um, made public via our Instagram or your Instagram, which we then shared. Um, So James is going to do his best to stick to those or see if with any amount of preparation and thought, he's actually abandoned all his principles. I've actually, there's one that I don't feel good about already, which is really interesting. <laughs> right. Well, should we do that one first? You um, tell me what series that is. Uh, that is Denver and Portland. Okay, that's my favorite series out of the whole lot, so let's go with that one. Nice. No problem. So I had Denver in six originally, and then was like... I forgot that Denver have absolutely no one and are starting Austin Rivers. Um, But not for long is what I would hope. Yeah. Because with a bit of messing around and putting Jokic at point guard and um, Michael Porter Jr. at the two, you can do a little bit more of getting your good basketball players on the court at the same time. So that might be fun. Yeah. yeah, as I say, I kind of just thought Denver would have enough quality, but Portland have shown up yeah. in game one, ready to go. And with a very clear blueprint of Jokic, you can try and beat us on your own, but you're not doing any of that weird passing nonsense. <laughs> yeah, um, Jokic had one assist last night, which I don't think has ever happened. And the, ma- 
the maddest stat from that game is that Michael Porter was 11 from 11 from two and one from 10 from three. Yeah, like that's not going to happen again, I no. don't think. Like either of those, like that'll equal out on both ways. So it's yeah. not actually that sort of predictive of anything. But Jokic, one assist. The shots that he passed to their team went one from 10. So, Yo. like, I don't know, that could be seven assists on any given night with yeah. the passes he hits people with. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I um Nurkic did well to match up with him, I think. I don't feel great about Denver's guard situation. I would feel a lot better about it if Will Barton came back sooner rather than later. Um, yes. Whoever was commenting that game last night described Compazzo as like having a rock in your shoe, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Denver don't look to have enough offensively if Jokic can't get guys easier shots. And I think Porter's shooting from three is probably a symptom of him having to take way more difficult shots than he's had to all season. And yeah, I... Um, I'm really hoping Denver are able to pull this out because they've been really good all year. And I think Denver this year struck me as like one championship win away from being, you know, how Toronto won their title and then were the model franchise for kind of the foreseeable future because they'd kind of homegrown a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Denver struck me as being right on the cusp of that because if you look at their current roster and how well they've drafted, the fact they've literally had to give guys away in trades for the last two years. Um, and it, you look back at that and you're like, man, Malik Beasley would help out a great deal right now. Oh, yeah, of course. So Even even Tory Craig would be fun. Yeah. Like, he'd do a job right now. But my thing is just, Tambato is a lot of fun, but he shouldn't be playing 32 minutes in a playoff game, I don't think. So part of me is thinking, could you get some sort of Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, Jokic, Gordon, Porter Jr., everyone's massive. You play at like 85 possessions per game rather than 100 (laughs) and just like walk it up and throw it about until you find a good look and a mismatch the way they used to do or the way teams do in wheelchair basketball sometimes like... Yeah, like when, I don't, know. I, when I don't teams... know if that works, but it, it might just be, as I say, it's just getting your better players on court at the same time for a lot longer than 15 minutes a game. Yeah, I um, I don't feel great about it. I'm going to go Denver in seven because I trust them to figure it out. And I also think if they're able to get to a seventh game, Denver still like one of the teams with true home court advantage because it's such a difficult actual atmosphere to play in not just like a fan noise situation yeah i think one of the things that the nuggets could do is just let powell and covington shoot 20 shots each like if they if they would like just leave them wide open like full-on playoff basketball like just let the people you don't mind shooting shoot as many times as open as they want to be yeah and just kind of live with it because i don't i don't really like the look of Lillard having 34 and mccollum having 21 every no, game that's like not that's getting. not gonna get it done covington had eight yeah well at 10 i think i'd powell looked like he had a good game but i 
I just maybe it was just the moments that I watched. I remember Powell seeming to score every time he caught the ball for about a four minute run. Ten points. Okay, Covington was three from five, to be yeah. fair. Like that's not bad, but it's just I don't know if that stretches out over yeah. bigger numbers. No, they need him to take more shots for sure. Uh, Norman Pyle was three from eleven. Oh wow. Well, maybe uh, maybe it happened all in one rush. <laughs> that's just the bit I remember. <laughs> right. Next series. Um do you, want get, to, do you want to do one? Yeah, should we get the gross one out of the way first? Knicks and Hawks, which as the playoff structure would lead me to believe means at least one of these teams is going to go into the second round, which is, had you said that at the start of the season, would have been unfathomable, but here we are. I would have uh, been like, oh, wow. I, I uh, Who did they trade for? Like, who, has, <laughs> like, who have the, who have the Hawks managed to swing a trade for would have been the only way I would have got there. But yeah. Would would you would would you like to go through our drafts of our burning question for that playoff run? Yeah, let's do this it. Was, this was the this was the playoff gimmick. We didn't actually I didn't actually give you one for the last one, but I don't have any good ones, so we'll move <laughs> on. Um, my first draft for burning question for the Knicks and Hawks is who cares? Yeah, question one. Um, I've fleshed out a little bit from there. And I'm just, just, <laughs> oh, just going to assume that neither Randall or uh, Trey Young can be stopped by anybody on the opposing team. And I actually, to say how much I don't care about this series, I actually dug up quite a cool stat, which is when Derek Rose plays for the Knicks, which is basically the whole second half of the season, the Knicks are 23 and 11. And when Bogdanovich is healthy for the Hawks, which coincides with Nate McMillan becoming the head coach, the Hawks are 24 and 11. So oh, nice. my question is, assuming that Randall and Trey Young both do their thing, who wins the second playmaker battle between Rose and Bogdan Bogdanovich? I was going to say, I think Bogdanovich is far and away the third best player in this, in this series. So I think that's the deciding factor. Fair. I, I don't know. I think that may well be true. I don't trust Atlanta's offense to carry them through a whole series against a good defensive team when Atlanta's defense isn't great in itself. Yes. For that reason, I'm picking Knicks in this series and also because I think Knicks are at least gritty enough to make it a half-watchable series against Philly, whereas I think Philly and Atlanta would be absolutely atrocious viewing. Yeah, that would just be that would be violence. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the thing is you could see Trey Young not getting any of the weird cheap stuff or the files that he normally yeah. draws with having people on his back or anything. You could see him not getting any of that stuff for a full playoff series against a Tom Thibodeau defense. Yeah. And as you say, getting into the next round watching someone who's been known as like an old school defensive coach. Finding weird things to throw yeah. at Joel Embiid is a lot of fun. I yeah. say weird things to throw at him. I mean, just doubles immediately. Yeah. Time, but yeah, for, for sure. My biggest hope for this series, and I i don't think I've ever thought this about a series before, but you said just there about um, Trey Young's kind of habits for being able to embellish to draw fouls. I kind of think there's at least some odds that Thibodeau does one of his bellows from side li- from the sideline and Trey Young kind of hits the ground as if he's been like the shockwaves of the sound take him to the <laughs> ground and he gets free throws from it. But... It, it. It might happen. 
Uh, we were talking yesterday about NBA coaches just like stepping onto the court and shouting at people when they shoot. And that's yeah. just not something you see in the wheelchair game a whole lot. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. absolutely standard that if someone's shooting a corner three in the NBA, someone from like, if you're shooting it in front of the opposing bench, someone will like stand up or clap or yeah. throw a towel or something. like just every time. And yeah. there'd be like, there'd be a fight if that happened in wheelchair basketball. <laughs> like someone would get thrown out of the game or something like, yeah. Um, yeah, so for the Thibodeau advantage and for Julius Randle having been as good as he's been all year, I'm going Knicks in six in this one. I think Atlanta will offense their way to two wins. Ah, that's funny. I kind of do believe in Atlanta more than that. Okay. Let's see what I wrote down two days ago. Uh, yeah, I had Hawks in six, so oh. that's interesting. Okay. I'd say we're going to be pretty close on what we think about a lot of these. Well, we, then... we've we've conflicted on the first two, so this makes for good listening anyway, even if it is just us listening back. Yeah, and I don't think it makes for good listening if we're not trying to justify why we think <laughs> stuff. If we're just disagreeing and then moving on, <laughs> I'm not sure that's any good for anyone. There's no like setup conflict resolution. It's just conflict. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, defense, don't trust the Hawks to be able to balance offense with defense, and I trust the Knicks to completely gut it out. It's worth mentioning that that Rose stretch that I mentioned beforehand has come when they were slated to have, like, the fourth most difficult schedule of the entire second half of the season. So I would put some stock in that. Yeah. I guess I'm just thinking... I, I, I don't know. It's a Tom Thibodeau standard thing that someone that he puts too much pressure on has a knee injury. Yeah. And it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So I feel like Julius Randle is two games away from blowing his knee out. Oh, if that happens, then it's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a thing of like, okay, so we're going to really turn it up. And when we get into the playoffs, we're going to crank everyone's minutes up. Are you going to crank Julius Randle's minutes up to 55 minutes a game? Like, he's, going to carry on, he's going to carry on playing during halftime. <laughs> he already plays like 43 a game. Yeah. Like, give the man a rest. He's got, he just looks so tired all the time. <laughs> Although, maybe, maybe he's going to be unbelievable because this is like maybe the first time he's had a week off. In yeah, that could, could well be it. Right. Next one. What you got? The next one I have, and I will, I'll, I'll go to one of the games that's already happened that I watched live yesterday, and the Clippers against the Mavericks. Yo, that was my favorite game so far. That was a lot of fun, and right. the burning question I have for that is, can Luca actually do this four times? Because like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you see, did you hear a microphone picked him up when he he had Patrick Beverly in a mismatch and he took him all the way to the basket and finished over him and said he was too effing small? No, I didn't care. Like, if you've come in to this playoff game and just decided that you're, like, ready to fight Patrick Beverly, like, you might win four games. Yeah, you actually might. That's worth one win just for the audacity of it. Um, should we do our predictions first and then we can litigate because that might lead to some more informed conversation okay so pre uh, what happened last night I predicted Clippers in six okay and now which is boring um, I'd probably go Clippers in seven like 
this is Luca's officially getting to. I don't know where I heard it on a podcast recently, but someone was like, Luke is in like LeBron territory of like yeah, six games no matter what, just because he's going to figure oh, it yeah. out. Oh, yeah. That was Zach Lowe and whoever his guest was. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, David Thorpe. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. You used to follow me on Twitter. Did he? Yes. We should get him on. Um, we should. He no longer does. <laughs> um, so I had also gone Clippers in six, which is super boring because that's what happened last year. Um, yeah. I just, the game yesterday really changed my mind because, like you say, Luca's kind of a walking high floor um, at this point. And I think from watching the game yesterday, Tim Hardaway is looking at the series and being like, okay, we'll call it a wash between Luca and Kawhi. And I think, in fact, I don't even think Hardaway thinks. I think Tim Hardaway knows that he's got the edge on Paul George to be the third best player in the series. As as completely incorrect as he is, I have no doubt he believes that. Yeah, and believing it's half the battle. I saw, because Paul George, after kind of being clowned for the playoffs last year, has had an unbelievable (laughs) season. And someone was, I saw someone tweeted about it yesterday. They were just like, Paul George, PG, come on. I've defended you so much all year yeah. on Twitter. Don't do this. He, yeah. he was not great yesterday. No, he was all right. Um, I thought the Hardaway thing was interesting. I, I think I WhatsApped you about this while it was happening, but I watched the EuroLeague series a few weeks back now where Fenerbahce um, lost their coach and five of their rotation guys to COVID tracing before they were due to fly to Russia. Yeah. And they were without their two best guys and Marco Goduric was available who briefly played for the Grizzlies last year. Yes. And Goduric went up against CSK in Moscow basically on his own and had like 35 on seven threes. And I was watching that game be like, this is ridiculous. I was like, if there's an NBA guy who's going to look around and be like, Hey, my team needs me in this series. It's probably Tim Hardaway. And that's basically what he did game one. And yeah. I think for all the kind of praise the Clips have been given about the veterans brought in, such as Batum, Ibaka, and Rondo, I think there's a real chance that Dallas's role players show up collectively more than the Clippers do. And if we're yeah. expecting that we're going to get four games like this from Luca, I don't feel particularly uncomfortable picking the Mavs following what I saw yesterday. So I'm going to go maximum chaos and Clippers detonate and trade Paul George and fire Ty Lue mid-series and Mavericks in seven. Wow. I really thought you were going to say five there. <laughs> like, wow. Um, uh, it's got to be long enough that they can work out a trade for Paul George. Yeah, I could see it. Um, not not the other stuff. Um, yeah. I I could see, for sure, see that go in seven. Now I think I'd go clips in seven if I were able to revise it. But because that's also considering that Porzingis had like five points and well, played well, yeah. like he was. A- yeah, but we should probably treat that as the expectation <laughs> at this point. He, he plays like he's a foot shorter than he is, man. Him and Lowry Markin and I don't know what the reverse of stilts is, but they're wearing them. I right. really, <laughs> amputations, I guess. <laughs> but no, that's they just come on, man. You're seven three. Like, yeah. 
play like you wouldn't mind fighting someone yeah. once. Although, like, to, to be fair to Porzingis, he was a bit invisible for the whole like first three and a half quarters of the game to the point where the clips started ignoring him and then he dunked it twice as they were making the comeback run. <laughs> it was like, okay, fair enough. If the yeah, seven, that's, that's if it. The, like if the seven foot three guy is able to get himself in, ignored for long enough that he can get two dunks home, I'll take it. But yeah, that's that's what we that's what that's what they need from him. Yeah, like he should be showing up all the time. Like you're meant to be their number two, and Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber are playing better than you. Yeah. Hey, t- Tim Hardaway. Fine. Tim Hardaway is Dallas's number two. I will hear nothing against it. That's and it, no, I think I think he is is yeah. the weird thing. It it's probably Maxi Kleber. Like <laughs> you, look, yeah. you look into it, yeah. but I don't know. Um, that's basically it. The Clippers. Obviously, at any given moment, can click, and they're gonna—they've uh, got the sort of personnel to turn the defense up another notch on everyone but Luca. Because I don't know if that's something yeah. you can stop anymore. No. Like, no, I agree. He's just also Luca's step back three was falling, and it kind of doesn't over the long yeah. term. So he's We're- gonna have a couple of games where that doesn't go, which. You know, if you have a couple of games where that step back doesn't go and you start hitting threes, Clippers get up a lot of threes, even compared to yeah some teams in now, like in the NBA nowadays. So I don't know. I could see obviously a couple of games going the other way, just statistically from yeah things definitely. looking a bit more normal. But yeah. I just hope it. I hope it stays in a place that we get seven of these games, man. Because watching Luca just try and do it is so much fun. Yeah. The audacity. Right. Um, should we get one of the quick ones out of the way? Do you want to go Sixers, Wizards, or Nets and Celtics? Spoiler alert for anybody who's listening. Uh, I don't mind. Right. Whatever you want. Let's go Sixers and Wizards. I've got, as my burning question, how does Washington maximize getting Westbrook some looks against Philly's defense? Um, my prediction for interesting this. one. My prediction for this being um, the Sixers in five because I think there'll be one Wizards game where Westbrook's able to get going. Yeah, I just went four because I could see Bradley Beal sort of limping and then being like, hey, it's not worth it, man. Yeah, that's fine. And pulling him. And then Westbrook could win a game on his own, but I don't know. Ben Simmons is pretty well equipped to stay in front of him. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think Westbrook's going to get a whole lot, and I didn't realize until this game. But Wizards are starting Howell Neto at the small forward, and he's six foot one, so yeah. that's trouble. Um, yeah, that might be why Tobias Harris had thirty three points <laughs> in three quarters. Um, yeah. I just Good. can't. I just can't see it, man. Like I can't no. see, and also Alex Len trying to stop Joel Embiid is not. Fun. Oh yeah, it's embarrassing, man. Although. The one thing I will say for the Wizards is they ro- I was quite high on Chicago going into this year and then they traded away Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson for basically nothing. And I was like, I don't know why you gave up on those guys so early because they look like functional NBA guys and they've gotten to Washington and are both instantly better than they were with the Bulls. It's like, man, you... Yeah, Gafford's been good, man. Yeah. Gafford, I don't know what the comparison for him is. As he seems like such a bog standard replacement level big, but then blocks like five shots in three minutes. And 
I don't know of any big who doesn't quite seem good enough to start and then completely wrecks the game when they come in. It's a weird balance. Yeah, I I don't know. There's If you're that big and you can jump, you might be able to like do that at any given point. But yeah. like, so if you're looking at like player comparisons for for people who could just come in and out and affect the game with their athleticism, like there's plenty of random NBA nameless bigs. Yeah, that's very fair. Anyway, six is in five, and I don't think there's a whole lot more to discuss on this one. No, I I hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see like if they cause Philly any problems as a way to sort of project forward into the next round, but yeah. I don't think they will, so I don't think we need to do that. Should we check the score live? It is I'm doing it right now. 121-116. Precisely that. Minute and a half to go. It's closer than That's I thought. Closer. Yeah, way closer than I thought. So Embiid 28, Harris 35. Yes. Um, Bradley's going for it, man. Bradley Beal is 31. A legend on one leg. Right, should we hit the next series? What do you uh, Yes, the next series I will go for is Utah and Memphis. Oh, I'm excited about this one. Uh, I really don't see Memphis causing them any problems. So the burning questions for me are more projecting forward are Utah actually for real because if they're for real they should just burn through this in five sure. but I don't know it'll be what's what's the deal are Mitchell and ever is, is Mitchell and everyone else back in 100 percent or uh, Mitchell and Conley are back I don't know if they're 100 percent but I guess we'll find out yeah because if neither of them are 100 percent and then someone's trying to stay in front of Ja Morant and I don't know it, you eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, Royce O'Neal, you'll do a good job here. If not, in the minute you're not on the floor, Joe Ingles, what can you give me? Like yeah. that gets that gets a bit that yeah. gets a bit well, weird. My my wondering, having watched the Grizzlies playing games, my only wondering for any um Grizz success is can Dylan Brooks play Donovan Mitchell? straight up and rough him around enough that Utah, if they do the beautiful game thing for like 42 minutes, can Dylan Brooks then take Mitchell out of the game if Utah needs somebody to be the closer in the last five minutes? But I don't know that's true. And I think as good as Valanciunas has been, he is probably pretty irrelevant going up against Gobert. Oh, I think so. I think Brooks couldn't cause Mitchell some problems but it's just I don't think the first 42 minutes are going to be even enough yeah no, that's I just fair. I just can't see Memphis sticking with the like pick and roll kick swing 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 open no. three yeah fuck it. like that's fair enough but I tell you my Valanciunas was so good in the playing games that the, he was so good that when the Assassin's Creed expansion levels came out the other day, the first thing I did was went and restyled my Viking to look like Jonas Valanciunas, and it's <laughs> it's shockingly accurate. I'd say the strangest. I'd say the strangest thing is it probably wasn't that hard to get there. No, it really wasn't. It was like change two settings. <laughs> it's basically the same guy. Um, so yeah, I really like Memphis, and I thought they really gutted out the playing game, but 
Utah's not a great matchup for them. I have Utah in six for this one because I think Memphis will... I think Brooks will frustrate Mitchell into two bad games and that might be enough for Memphis to do it. Yeah, I went Jazz in five rather than six. Just because I'm like, I'm quite high on the Jazz as I have been for the last couple of years. I, I, But it's just if they have any real aspirations of causing the Clippers uh, or or the Mavericks yeah. um, problems next round, you kind of have to get rid of the yeah. Grizzlies pretty easily. That's fair. One seeds are meant to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't. There's no roadmap to Memphis winning the series. I just wonder if there's a Brooks gives Mitchell a hard time game and there's a, sorry, excuse me, a John Morant has a game like he had against Golden State in the play-in where he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to make half my threes now and then that's real trouble. Yeah, I'm going to have 35 and just not care what anyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I I could see it. And also, they're only Donovan Mitchell not being 100% away from stuff getting a bit more interesting. Yeah, that's fair. So, we'll see. Okay, next one to get out of the way. Nets and Celtics. You've watched so, it. You've watched this one, and I haven't. So, away you go. Give me, so the, low, I, give me the low. I down. watched it. And random thing that happened before I give you the sort of broad strokes of what the game basically ended up being about was that Robert Williams had nine blocks last night. Robert Williams factors into my burning question, so that's good. Nice. He had nine blocks, which is nuts, because he had like three of them in like a two-minute stretch. <laughs> it was just like unbelievable. He also, because he was just trying to block everything, there was one point where he was on Blake Griffin in the corner, someone drove, he like took two steps in to help, ball got kicked to Blake Griffin and he just flew at him from wherever he was <laughs> and just completely took him out when he pumped big. Um, like it was Brilliant. such an easy file to draw. But so the game basically was pretty even when the Celtics were hitting their threes and the Nets weren't. The Nets started zero from nine from three yeah, and weren't much better for the rest of the first half. And then it kind of swapped where the team that have three of the best scorers in the world hit more shots and the team that are kind of struggling to have guys that can like create offense on their own kind of stopped making shots. And then that was it. Uh, It's a lot of, a lot of the Celtic stuff was kind of like, can Kemba or Tatum create yeah, and they kind of got away with it because they were hitting enough shots and people were chipping in with threes and Fournier was hitting his shots and you know like it was Marcus Smart was doing all right yeah. and that was like man they're just hanging on with their best case scenario and then end of the game all three of those guys on the Nets all three superstars had twenty something and it's like yeah that'll do it even so- with like it's, the Celtics with like. Jalen Brown under real sort of proper season behind them might have been okay. Might have hung on a bit more, but it's just every every so often you're like throwing the ball to Jason Tatum and he's trying to do his best, but KD's defending him and it's like there's just no one to get away from that. Like there's no one to go, ah, KD had to take a stretch on 
Jalen Brown, so Jason Tatum can have a go now. Like, there's yeah. just they just don't have enough, man. No, and they it's don't. Sad to see because no. like yesterday could have been it because they kept the. I said they kept the Nets. The Nets kind of kept themselves to 104. Yeah. And like that's that's way lower than I thought they'd be getting to every game. So that might have been your chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my question on this was, does Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson's offensive rebounding presence mean the Nets are going to have to mess with their lineups? Um, this was based off a series, which I think... The Isaiah Thomas year in Boston, 2017, um, when Boston were the top seed and they had the Bulls, who were the eight seed, and uh, the Bulls went up 2-0 because nobody on Boston could rebound and Robin Lopez killed them for like two solid games, which sounds oh, pre- yeah. preposterous to say out loud. Um, That's completely insane. Yeah, but I, I wondered if there was any potential for that because uh, the Nets have been really weak rebounding. And when I saw the Robert Williams stat line that you mentioned, I was like, hey, this could be this could be something. But I think it nabs Boston one game potentially. So I'm going to say Nets in five on that basis. Yeah, I think that's what I had. Um, yeah, Nets in five. Yeah. Yeah. That's the I first one we've. Yeah, no, I just I'd love to I'd love to have had like a good Celtics season and have this be a real series, but it's just not especially with Jill and Brian being out. It just yeah it just no, isn't. It would have to be a complete collapse on the Nets part before it could be anything that Boston did. Yeah. I would I would think so. It's just the Nets can have two of their guys play well. Yeah. Like those guys have played eight games together all season under the two seed. Like, yeah, God, I loathe them. Right. What's up next? Uh, the last series in the West is the Lakers and the Suns. Uh, this one's just about to tip off now, right? That's exciting. So, yeah, I think so. Hey, it's nil nil. Um, so the, nice. this will it's be anyone, anyone series, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. What's your question for this one, and what's your prediction? My burning question was: it was for Chris Paul. Was it all for nothing? Um, yeah, that's basically <laughs> kind it. of. Um, no, it was my my actual more serious question was basically like: Are LeBron and AD one hundred percent? Because if so, I think it might actually be for nothing. Yeah, um, I had I had Lakers in six because I do think Chris Paul is going to Chris Paul one game. And then, I don't know, maybe the Lakers are a little slow and LeBron kind of yeah, hurts, I think hurts himself or takes some time out or limps off. And, you know, like he's getting older and he, he's maybe going to be a little slow. And I think the level that they were at to beat the Warriors was down the end of the game. It was like, okay, LeBron's just going to put someone under the basket. Yeah. But that's because they didn't have someone that's Jay Crowder shaped. Yeah. Draymond Green obviously did a pretty good job against LeBron, but LeBron kind of knows the deal there now. Um, Draymond had to take AD a lot as well. Yeah. So when I was wondering about this, because I think this one's kind of had the most narrative flip, right? Because it, I think it was kind of concluded that whoever the Lakers matched up with in 
when they came in as a lower seed, they would still be the favourites. And I think it's potentially swung a bit too far because my case for Phoenix would be, and this isn't based on a whole lot, admittedly, but if Aiton can guard Davis, which, which is a lot to ask, is man. a lot to ask, but he is also, if you look at the guys across the league with the physical tools, Aiton probably makes the short list of five to six guys who might have a shot. Oh, and yeah. if, if you can put Aiton on Davis and you can put some combo of Mikhail Bridges and Crowder on LeBron, who might not be 100%, Phoenix have a roadmap because the, Paul and um, Booker are going to murder the Lakers' guards offensively. Oh, right? yeah. Like, like, that's... That, um, so, yeah, I think people have counted Phoenix out a bit too early because... The Lakers, it's so difficult to bet against the Lakers that Phoenix have almost become the underdogs by default. But I really wouldn't be surprised if this gets to a game seven. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, pick your pick sides if it's LeBron versus Chris Paul in a game seven. And I, you almost can't bet against either of those guys, which you obviously have to. But it's, yeah, I just, I really wouldn't be shocked if Phoenix did it. Yeah. One of the things that I think is important in this is when it gets down to, okay, three minutes left, ball in Chris Paul's hands, the thing he normally does is he goes and looks for a big seven-footer who's not going to be able to stick with him. This time, that's Anthony Davis, so you might be out of luck. Yeah, no, that's Um, But then the thing is, Devin Booker is way bigger and stronger than people give him credit for, so like no chance anyone like Alex Caruso is going to be able to stick with him or yeah. even I don't, I don't I don't know who they're gonna who they're gonna try like KCP is gonna have a go but yeah I think that's game over so it'll just be the matchups are gonna be so interesting like who wins who wins more one-on-one stuff in an individual night might be the difference but like I don't know LeBron and AD yeah I think that's hard to bet against. I think the the kind of to chalk the series up, it would be Suns have the advantage guards wise, Lakers have the advantage front court wise. Yeah. If Aiton can be semi successful, Phoenix have a shot. Sorry, if Aiton can be semi successful guarding AD one on one without too much help, the Lake the Suns have a shot. If he can't, then um the Suns are in a whole lot of trouble because there's no option to guard AD other than putting Aiden on him. Yeah, you could try. You could try your hardest with Jay Crowder and some help, but that didn't go well in the finals last year. No, didn't get it done. Yeah, so that's where it's at. I would really like Phoenix to do it because I'm all for the logic of the playing and stuff, but I. Also want to see Chris Paul rewarded because he's at this point become like a, a team optimizing nomad who just kind of wanders city to city. <laughs> it's like, hey, look at this bunch of ruffians you've got. I'll whip them into shape. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I've always been a Chris Paul fan and I could, I'd rather see a postseason of him making a deep run. That's way more interesting to me than seeing LeBron and AD storm it again. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a contrarian who doesn't want to watch LeBron, but 
I think that's it. I think you are very typically just a basketball contrarian, but that's fine. Um, I'm kind of simultaneously, there's some Suns and other teams matchups that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But I'm also like, hey, give LeBron everything until he retires. We've got like three more years, yeah. probably. Um, so I don't know. It's at the stage where I like both of these teams. So whichever team goes and does it kind of deserves. Yeah. I'm going to go late. Attention. Yeah. I'm going to go Lakers in seven for this one as much as I hope Phoenix are able to figure it out. I think I had Lakers six, I Fair said, enough. but like, good dude. I, I'd love it. I'd yeah. love all of these apart from Knicks and Hawks to go seven. <laughs> We've and not maybe Sixers, Wizards. I was going to say we've not had a sweep yet, but you went sweep for um, Sixers and Wizards, didn't you? Sixers and Wizards, and that game is over, and I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty well so far. You are um, yeah, one quarter of the way there. Yes. Sun the okay. Lakers has started. That's exciting. That's 15 after, all after six minutes. Thunderbirds are go. Um, okay. Last series, I believe. So. Yep. Bucks and Heat, which I think is potentially the most... The three six um, matchups this year are great, by the way. I think this one is potentially the most interesting series of the whole first round. I Sorry, I just saw the Lakers have started Andre Drummond. Suns in four. <laughs> Suns in three. Now Mer- that's mercy rule. Weird. Yeah, bizarre. Starting Andre Drummond is a very, is a very nice way to make Mikhail Bridge... Um, Mikhail Bridges defend LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it really is. I, I think you. The thing with starting Drummond is you then like if we are going to do the eight and two AD matchup, I have no problem putting Drake Jay Crowder on Drummond and being like, "Hey, throw this guy the ball. <laughs> Watch him yeah. struggle to dribble against someone half do a foot short." Yeah. And then the problem is every twenty four seconds ish, when you have the ball, you have Andre Drummond on your team. Yeah. <laughs> You might have to throw it to him. Cool. Okay. Bucks Sorry, and Heat. Yeah. No worries. Um, question is, how much do the Heat's scheming advantages, which they seem to have when they played last year, how much do they matter following the Bucks talent upgrade with Drew Holiday? Does Drew make the Bucks good enough? Basically, that the Heat having the advantage in weird scheming and on the fly decision making, do they still have that advantage? And is it enough to turn the series for them? Um, I don't think they have the advantage. They certainly don't anymore, and are kind of being one zero down. Yeah. But I think what the Bucks have done this year in terms of taking a step back from trying to just smash everyone through the regular season in sort of in favor of taking a bit more time to work on some different defensive schemes, you know, these, these, these weird things like, like switching pick and rolls and <laughs> all these things that every successful NBA team has been doing for, for about for a six of years, years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like them kind of taking a step back to try some stuff like that. Or like you can see there were times in February where they're like, okay, we're going to, see what happens if we give Drew Holiday the ball down the end of a game. We might lose, but we need to see what happens. Like, yeah. that sort of stuff, I think, has put them in a good spot now, as yeah. shown by the fact that they came down the end of the game yesterday, and they didn't just throw Giannis 
the ball with five people in front of him. Yeah, they were kind of they 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 got a little bit of Chris Middleton one on one action. I still think putting Chris Middleton and Giannis in a pick and roll or Drew and Giannis in a pick and roll with yeah. Giannis as the screener down the end of the game might be the way to go because you're either open or you just throw it up there somewhere and he goes and gets yeah. it. I know it's not that simple, but. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, to your point a second ago, they had Middleton handling the ball and hunting Duncan Robinson as if he was like 2016 LeBron hunting for Steph Curry. And yeah, I mean, if you'd have shown pre the Miami series last year where the Bucks got bounced, if you'd have shown Mike Budenholzer that that's what it was going to come to a year later, I think he might have retired because he'd be like, hey, I want no part of this. But I think it shows they've at least they've just adopted the fact that there's some kind of ugly and ruthless things that you have to do to kind of get through the tough moments. And yeah. Middleton somehow is, I think is still underrated. I think he got up to the point of being properly rated. Bucks got bounced in the second round and then they've kind of flown under the radar this year because they've not been determined to smash their way to the top seed again. I think Middleton might have been underrated for longer than just about anybody has. Yeah, I don't think like they didn't get as much as much praise in terms of what they were doing this season and like Yanis didn't get as much of a shout for the MVP and it's just because they like intentionally tried to do some other stuff yeah. so they didn't just run into the same brick wall that yeah. they always do. The one thing that could be bad news for them, however... Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, no, the (laughs) fact that Giannis is very clearly still very afraid to go to the free throw line, as evidenced by the fact that he got the first 10 second call I've ever seen in an NBA (laughs) game. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I missed that. Have you have you not seen the game? I did. I must have just not been watching at that point. Yeah, near near the end, he 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 made a free throw, but the ref blew the whistle just before oh, he shot it because he took 10 seconds. He just dribbled it and dribbled it and dribbled it because he's scared. What can so, you be doing for 10 seconds? <laughs> also, that's not a thing that anyone calls. So I don't yeah. feel I don't feel too like I'm not shocked that he was like just it'll be fine. I can just dribble this. Like I we were talking about it in terms of wheelchair basketball and someone was like, have you ever got called for because it's five seconds it's meant to be, isn't it? Yeah. And someone's like, have you ever been called for that? Have you ever seen anyone be called for that? And I have not. And I've also for sure taken at least five seconds before, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, I think the Giannis going to the free throw line thing is slightly overblown because usually the knock-on effect of going to the free throw line is that guys stop driving aggressively or like, there was a Rondo period where he was a terrible free throw shooter and he used to get somewhere near the basket and be like, oh no, someone's coming near me. I'll just hoik this into the stratosphere and see if it drops Yeah, like, before they can get... But like, no part of Giannis's style of play seems to be put off by the fact that he can't make free throws. He seems content to get fouled and just miss free throws as much as it takes. Yeah, knowing that he's like, hey, I'm coming right back to the rim next time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no... Noting that as well, the Bucks. Oh, it wasn't the cleanest win in the world, but they won a game having shot sixteen percent from three. Which I mean, there's you can take ups and downs, good sides and bad sides out of that. But I think 
when you're going up against a team like Miami, if you're able to produce that poorly in such a key stat and still find a way to win, you yeah. probably, it points to you being prepared for other elements of the series, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Because the whole thing is like, what's going to happen when a, a team like Miami drags you into the mud and the threes aren't going or whatever. And it's like, hey, being able to pull it out anyway. Yeah. That's playoff basketball. Yeah. Unfortunately. Is. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the other flip side of that is that Jimmy Butler and Bam were combined eight from 37 or something like that. So do they get it back? Probably, yes. But I Jimmy think Butler doesn't. Jimmy Butler shoots 20, 20% from three. So, yeah, he does, but his true shooting percentage or his effective field goal percentage or whatever is is like fifty nine percent. So he it's unbelievable. Yeah, his effective yeah. field goal percentage is as if he shoots threes at like forty percent. Yeah, he gets to the gets to the line so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it it's weird coming out of that game being like, oh well, both teams have a lot of headroom offensively to work into, but it's like they probably won't because they're probably prepared to just rock fight each other to death. I can't wait. I love it. I love yeah. it so much. It's it's going to be the most stylistically different series to the rest of them. Then, like I can't even think the last time there was this much of an outlier of one series in a in a first round. But yeah, it's going to be cool to watch for sure, man. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so I think that's it. Yep, we have got about one minute to freestyle now. So, have you got any parting thoughts for us? Um, I love basketball. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's just great to have the playoffs back. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's living up to it. it. Living up to it so far, man. What about you? Yeah, that I, I think I'd, I was texting Ben about um, Dallas earlier today because he was asking what I thought about the game. And I was like, I didn't realize how excited I was for the playoffs until that game was like a three point game with five minutes left. And I was like, Oh my God, this is even, it just like pales the play in games immediately, which I was in turn very excited for, but yeah, yeah, the playoffs are awesome. And on that note, thank you for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of bench units and we will be back with playoff coverage very soon. Peace right, out. Take care. Bye.